Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Okay, welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. And this podcast brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have a sponsor now. It's delicious. It is. It is. Good coffee. Canadian made. Yep. Uh, from Saskatoon. We all got Goody, some samples. bags and some samples. <laughs> yes. And my wife loves it. She hasn't uh, shared with me yet. Actually, she, she, did, she did one cup. Right. But that's it. Then she cut me off. Oh. Okay. So she's, she's hoarding it. She's hoarding the good coffee, she said. Right. Rampagecoffee.com, right? That's right. Rampage so let's check it out if you'd like to order some of that product. So we have a very special guest today. Yes, we're going uh, kind of in an opposite direction of what we usually do. Mm-hmm. You know, lately we've been right into the the dark spirits and the paranormal and a little bit of Bigfoot. And, and today we're going uh, extraterrestrial. Oh, but we're not talking to someone who is quote unquote uh, a so-called alien or UFO specialist, right? But someone who helps people who think that they've been abducted. Wow! And we have uh, Leslie Mitchell Clark. Hi, Leslie. Hey guys, thank you so much for inviting me to chat with you today. It's a pleasure to meet you guys, and uh, thank you for all the good work you do. And uh, bringing this arcane and fascinating subject matter to light for all your many listeners. You're based out of Toronto, is that right? Yes, I am based out of Toronto, although I'm uh, I'm from originally New York City. I lived in Los Angeles for many years, too, so I'm a, uh, I have dual citizenship, but I am very proud to be a Canadian citizen and a Canadian resident, so I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your work involves. And, well, maybe give us your full title of what you, what you do first. Okay. Um, at at this point, I am a board excuse me, a board certified clinical master hypnotherapist, and I'm also a neuro linguistic programmer, which is someone who knows how to use NLP, which is a a, a form of hypnosis. So um, I really came to this work uh, in a very dedicated way. I'm going to guess about 15 years ago now. And um, I had even recently become, uh, I'll just say, a hypnotist, just a, just a consulting hypnotist. And uh, it, within the clinic where I was working, um, because I was interested in the subject matter of duopology, and, uh, and also I, I have a number of certifications and regression techniques. That's one of my... One of my special things that I uh, that I that I do. So, um, whenever in this particular clinic anybody came in and said they had had a experience of high strangeness or or extraterrestrial contact, they would immediately be referred to me. And um, so, after a while, you know, more and more people began showing up with these particular issues, and certainly it was well within my, you know, belief system because uh, although I wouldn't call myself an experiencer, I've had some visual sightings that were very compelling. So I, I have, you know, I, I'm wide open to that. And, uh, and so um, I began actually adapting 
uh, techniques that I use for past life regression to specifically work with these individuals in recovering lost or suppressed memories of their experiences. And um, I personally now at this point, I, I don't believe that memories can be suppressed forever. I think there can be memory blocks. I also think some memories can be time dated. That people begin to remember bits and pieces when they are allowed to do so uh, in some kind of complex plan, I suppose. But um, it was extremely gratifying to be able to work with individuals who often by the time they got to me, they thought that they were mentally ill. And, and I'm talking about people who are from all walks of life, all ethnicities, all states, um, uh, everybody from like judges and attorneys and university professors to dope dealers. There's not much difference sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and those guys have always been right up at the top of my rock for me, but right. you know what I'm saying. So this is the kind of experience where... Um, I began to develop these techniques and I began to um, uh, help people to recover their missing memories. And along with the recovery of the missing memories, you know, comes a lot of uh, healing and relief and uh, all kinds of good things, if you can imagine. So that's, a, that's the kind of work that I'm really compelled to do. Now, I still have a... Uh, a, a regular hypnosis practice. I work in all of the normal areas that you would expect. Uh, deal, I deal with phobias and, and um, all kinds of things. Habits, getting rid of cigarettes, you know, all that. So, but this is really my specialty. And, and last summer, um, I was very, uh, really in gratitude to have been able to um, have my first book published, which is a very detailed and specific journey uh, that one of my clients took uh, from not from only having suppressed memories and scary feelings and what I would call PTSD to incorporating those experiences into his into his life and making a complete uh, uh, therapeutic turnaround I would have to say so the book is uh, represents uh, a very um, it represents a case of what I believe were lifetime ET uh, encounters, and uh, there are a lot of um, transcriptions in the book of actual sessions. So you really get to hear, you know, the exact words that my client used, and and how I tried to remain, you know, neutral and never, you know, lead on the client with any uh, intriguing, you know, uh, suggestions if you will. So you'll see how it actually, there's a lot of what actually goes on in the book. Anyway, that's, so that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> cool. Leslie, uh, you say that you have everyone from uh, lawyers, judges to uh, drug dealers <laughs> and everything in between. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you cover a wide uh, demographic there, but what about uh, geographically? Do you find mostly people from rural areas come to you or do you get people also in the big cities as well? Wow, it is really mixed because people uh, who live in big cities also have rather dramatic experiences. You know, they, they have, you know, beings coming in or they're being levitated out 
Um, I would say it was really sort of an equal opportunity experience. It happens rurally. We have, um, you know, of course, I work with both MUFON and uh, a newer organization called TESA, the Experiencer Support Association. And um, we are having a tremendous upsurge in activity right now, I would have to say. Hmm. The amount of sightings and encounters and, and incidents of high strangeness that people are reporting um, are, are, are reaching record numbers. Maybe part of that is that through the work that you guys do in, in the media, the alternative media, maybe people are less fearful to actually talk about what's happening, them, I, uh, happening with them. I think there's an element of that that it's becoming more acceptable to, you know, when, when someone like Paul Hellyer, our former Secretary of Defense, openly talks about the ET presence and the knowledge of the ET presence in our Canadian government, then, you know, it's time to really take these people seriously. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Now, is there something specific... You talked about people think that they have uh, a mental illness, um, you know, they're going crazy, quote-unquote. Um, is there something specific that makes someone just think out of the blue that they've been abducted by aliens and, and make them seek you out? Is there like a common denominator? People can come to awareness at any time. But what I would say to answer that question is, I think that nearly all experiencers are lifelong experiencers. Hmm. I really, really do, after doing this work, you know, as long as I have. Um, I think it's a very isolated event when someone has a single experience. Although the, uh, it's usually a single consciously recalled or partially consciously recalled experience that will finally, you know, compel someone to, to, to seek help from somebody like me. So uh, most of the clients that I receive for this type of issue are in midlife. It seems to be, again, to me, I'm talking about memory. I, I think a lot of these memories are time-dated. And that when people are ready, that they're not, they were maybe an attempt even at benevolence. I mean, we're always very ready to put a dark spin on everything. But it seems that people are, when they are ready to receive the information of the recovered memories, that's when they come to see me. So hypnosis, uh, is there a difference between what you do and the entertainer that goes to the theaters and <laughs> hypnotizes people? Yeah. Well, listen, I love stage hypnosis. And... Um, but uh, it, is, it is simply a matter of uh, different techniques. And a couple things I'll tell you about stage hypnosis is it, it does have a little bit of trickery involved with it, and we also use a lot of NLP. So um, one of the things that will commonly happen if you have a, a hypnotist who's doing an act or a, or a presentation is the hypnotist will generally meet everybody as they're coming into the auditorium or whatever it is. You know, you can develop the, the instinct to look at physical things and emotional things, and you know who's going to be a good hypnotic subject. You kind of do, just from a handshake. So already, the hypnotist knows who's going to be receptive. Mm -hmm. Now, some hypnotists, stage hypnotists, actually 
uh, take receptive people out of the audience and they go into another room with them and, and create some post-hypnotic suggestions that are then used later. But uh, one thing I'll tell you, nobody, nobody does anything they don't want to do. When they get up and quack like a duck, it's because uh, they're, they're trying to please the hypnotist, which is unfortunately a part of it. You have to weed that out. There's a great desire to do well and please the hypnotist. And also, they just want to be there on stage, so they're going with it. So that's, uh, that's kind of how it works. So, uh, but there are some, there are stage hypnotists who are very, also very, very fine hypnotherapists. So it's two sides of the same coin, really. I, when, when you have, the way the law works is when you have another medical discipline, and in the States, I'm what's called a psychiatric technician. It's, it's like a psych nurse in Canada, but they don't have the exact equivalent. So having another... Uh, you know, another like a nursing kind of credential or whatever it may be, I can call myself a hypnotherapist, meaning I am conducting therapy and using hypnosis. So there's a healing. The whole thing is about the healing. I'm, I'm all about the healing. That's all I'm thinking about. And the stage hypnotist is thinking about other things. You use the word NLP. What does that mean? Ah, uh, well, um, Neuro-linguistic programming is a branch of hypnosis that is fairly recent. And um, a, a good way to explain it is it's, it's really an advanced art of communication. It allows myself as a practitioner to look at someone. It's a little bit like, like uh, remember that show, The Profiler, Facial Profiling? You know, I'm looking at everything from neuromuscular response to the way the eyes are focusing. And, and so that's part of it. It allows the, it allows the practitioner to really um, find a way to deeply communicate with the individual. And we use it also a lot in what I would call disrupting bad habits or disrupting anything that the person doesn't want to do. So it's really good for helping to completely get rid of any negative behaviors that the person uh, uh, wants to deal with. It does involve some little physical things, some little physical touchings, very uh, non-invasive. And um, uh, let's see, how can I put it? And, and we use a lot of associations. In other words, um, what I would do is I, I'd have you in a light trance, and I would have your body remember um, uh, how uh, how good it feels to be healthy and to not absorb fat and when you're eating right. I'll put all, all those good feelings that you remember. I, I'll take them from your memory. And then while you are remembering the good feelings, I will be tapping uh, somewhere on your arm. And we, we're, we are then creating what we call a, um, an anchor. So I am anchoring that good feeling of eating healthily and not eating too much salt and not feeling gross after eating the chips. And then I will conjure the bad feeling of feeling bloated, having heartburn, and you know, I'll create a whole negative thing, I'll create the negative thing. Then actually, physically, I will move the good feelings in your body and eclipse the bad feelings. 
so by doing that, we are actually able to really remove habits. We simply are replacing the feelings in the body. We are allowing a person to recall bad feelings, but only for the purpose of aversion. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of hard to show this, you know, in our virtual world. It'd be a lot easier if I was right there, but mm-hmm. it is a type of hypnosis that is very, very much geared towards rapid change and particularly dealing with um, uh, relief of trauma and disrupting habits. It was See, great for addiction. I, I, I'm, I took an advanced course in it to work just with addiction. I guess, too, um, clients come to you because they want help. So they've already opened up to them. So the connection between you and the client is much easier, I would think, at that point. Because they want to be helped. Yes, and it's really important that I make these people feel safe. That's, you know, they... and. And a lot of times they, they come to me with, you know, a lot of very typical PTSD things, but insomnia is a big one. These people usually don't sleep. Uh, they have interrupted sleep. They have scary sleep. They have weird dreams with half-remembered stuff. So the, the, the sleep thing is, is just devastating. So not only... So I work on some of these issues. Not, it's not all about the um, regression. I'm also therapeutically helping them with the insomnia or any dependence that they might have come in with. And, you know, remember, a lot of these people really, really, as I said before, they really do believe that they have a mental health issue, but yet they've been told often by psychiatrists that they don't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're, I'm, a, I'm the uh, uh, last chance Mexico, as we say in the States. You know, I'm, I'm sometimes the therapist of last resort, but... You might think talking is the biggest part, but I think listening is the biggest part. And some of these dear people have never had anyone listen to them in depth in a serious, non-mocking way. I right. mean, I can't tell you how many times someone says, I've never talked about this with anyone. Right. And they've been holding it in. And uh, these are functional people, by and large, functional people with jobs and families and sometimes their partners don't even believe in the possibility that there is, you know, that there is life elsewhere. But in our primitive little third density situation, we've got no one here. <laughs> so what types of things do they tell you then? When you, what types of things do you hear uh, in regards to the abduction? Are there a lot of similarities? Yeah, well, one thing I will say is the experiences seem to change greatly from the experience from the childhood experiences, experiences rather, to the adult experiences. In the childhood experiences, uh, the beings, and I, and I hear about a great variety of beings, although I would have to say most of the time they are very humanoid beings that look a lot like us that also work with other races for other, you know, there would be little grays involved. Um, I'm not sure grays are actually fully biological, at least some of them. I think they may be cybernetic beings that work in space and, and, uh, or, or some kind of situation like that. So many of the childhood experiences happen um, at night and usually the, the, the child will have a sense that something is going to happen. They kind of know when they get in their room. And some children are fearful, many are not. 
And um, so what will usually happen is the, you know, the room will fill with light. It's often a blue light, by the way, and I, I, I hear this often. I don't know why this is, but it's also, uh, it's often described as being very um, viscous. Kind of has a, like, like, in, like a lot of humidity, you know, but it's blue. So anyway, that will usually happen. And then often a, a being, um, and it's usually for children, it's usually the same being that comes every time. And uh, then they will say, well, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go on a little, a little trip again. And the child usually goes willingly. And at this point, uh, either the child is sort of levitated out of the bed and kind of, you know, through the window or through the roof, you know, just whatever they're doing as far as adjusting how our molecules vibrate, they can allow people to pass through solid substances, and they can too. So the children are usually taken out, and, and then more than often, um, they are taken to a craft where there are a lot of other children. And um, in, in the craft, usually they have different children doing like classes, different kinds of things. Things that look like, you know, Rubik's cubes, but, you know, ge I've heard many, you know, geometric things and like brain training things. And, and the kids are all, the little ones are all doing this at different levels. And it's not unusual in this situation for uh, children to tell me about uh, that they recognize other neighborhood kids, maybe, that are there. Or maybe they see their brother or, or sibling. And, uh, and also, I often hear about a lot of children that, that you would interpret as hybrid children, who look almost who look almost human, but not quite. So there's there are there is a kind of um, it seems benevolent a kind, and certainly the children are treated very benevolently. It's a kind of a training thing that's that's going on. There are also. Um, what I would call benign um, physical examinations. And many people tell me about these physical examinations happening uh, by beings they call the brown doctors. And the brown doctors seem to appear, and um, I suspect that they may be reptilian. They always wear cloaks, and they're benevolent, but their appearance is alarming. So they don't like the children to see them. So they're always on either side of them. If they're being escorted somewhere, they're on either side. So I hear about the brown doctors all the time, and then and then after there's been after there's been uh, you know the engagement with the other children, um, and there's there's been an examination. Sometimes they're taken to um, to some type of technology um, device that is that is chair like, but. Uh, allows them to oh, learn how to astral project. I think it's, it's, a, it's a learning tool, and this happens to the slightly older children. The, the you know more like the adolescents. The little the little children don't do those kinds of things. They're doing stuff that just looks like sophisticated, um, highly three-dimensional geometry things. That's that's what I most often hear about. And then they, and then the children are taken back and um, and uh, floated back in into their beds. And uh, sometimes they wake up with little you know little bruises where maybe they've had a diagnostic instrument or something. And and um, 
at, at, in the young ages, the children will usually be conscious and would talk about these experiences if they were asked. And many of my experiencer clients do say that when they were little, they tried to tell their brother or their father, and they were shut down, just completely shut down. And then it became more like a, like a secret thing. Now, what seems to, the way, the typical kind of, um, and again, I'm really oversimplifying, and I apologize, but the typical type of experience that happens now to what I would call the mature experiences that I work with is they don't physically go anymore, generally. Sometimes, but not usually. What they do is they somehow, when they go into the sleep stage, they are able to uh, bilocate or astral project, if you wish, or uh, it's even almost like remote viewing. And they engage with ETs and they have jobs that they do as far as helping the world to wake up. So it's become kind of a, an agreement or, or always was an agreement, I'm not sure. But many adult experiencers almost seem to be leading uh, two lives simultaneously. So that's, that's more of the typical experience that, I, that you hear about as adults. And then sometimes, of course, they, they are shown their children. Some adult experiencers are shown children that they are told that they either fathered or gave birth to. And they're, and they're shown hybrid, hybrid children who um, uh, sometimes look very, very human and sometimes not so much human. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a, and as I said, usually the, um, even the mature experiencer has a contact person that has been with them, or being that has been with them since the very beginning of the experiences. Almost like a guide, but someone that, some of it is Leslie, when you go down uh, you know, the extraterrestrial rabbit hole, so to speak, and do some uh, research and information on your own, uh, things that I've noticed, you know, you're talking about um, almost like training these kids and these adults to be a higher self or you know, teaching them how to remote view and be more spiritual. Uh, a lot of uh, quote-unquote experts or contactees state that many of the extraterrestrial uh, species uh, that we have been in contact with and our government's been in contact with uh, are very spiritual beings and they do travel by astral projection and remote viewing and a lot of them are about healing and ascension and that type of thing. Do you it sounds to me quite a positive thing, other than, you know, maybe the, the frightening uh, uh, features, looks that yeah, someone you know, might have. You're absolutely right. I mean, what, what I see now is generally highly positive. Now, I have some, I have some clients who, and, you know, this is a little far out, but I know I can say anything, and I'm just telling you what people tell me. Yep. You know, I'm not endorsing or, but I do have a number of clients who have been involved in what I would have to call the secret space program. And I, you know, I really have come to believe that there, there is, that this type of organization, which is, which is, 
global, all the countries are involved, and especially the U.S. and Canada are very involved together in, in all of this. But the worst things that I hear about are usually completely directly attached to the black ops operations and have a lot to do with human beings. My personal feeling is we don't need any help from extraterrestrials in being horrible to each other. <laughs> no. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, and, and it's like saying, oh, the devil made me do it. You know, I, I'm not, a, I think that we need to take responsibility for our own behaviors. And, and the reason why we have not yet been accepted into what many people would call a class one world. We're, you know, we're almost ready, but, um, but we're still struggling with, 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 we're still struggling with the racism of our own world, for goodness sake. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we wonder why, you know, we're not having a landing on the White House lawn. Well, not this White House lawn anyway, but, you know, why, why we're not having more open uh, communication. But I think that what, what the beings have wisely chosen to do, by and large, is to work with human beings who have a, um, already were born with a high uh, PSI or, or psychic abilities. I, my feeling is that this is the one unifying characteristic that every experiencer I've ever worked with has. Um, these are people who not only have ET experiences, they, they, they see discarnate spirits, they are precognitive, they can see people's auras, they can sometimes be um, uh, medical intuitives. All of these things, even if these people aren't acting on them, they, are, they have special abilities. And it makes sense because I do think that a lot of the um, evolved beings are, are primarily telepathic in their communication. Mm -hmm. And the experiencers are always talking to me about whether he's just talking to me in my head. So this is, and obviously you would probably, if you were, if you were an ET, you would probably want to work with a humanoid that was going to be easier to communicate with. Mm -hmm. uh, when we first started the podcast, we had uh, another, or a host, uh, by the name of John. And he's since left, you know, for personal reasons. And he always felt that he had been an, ab an abductee. And John had uh, some clairvoyant abilities. He was able to remote view. He saw spirits all the time. He was able to connect with them. Yeah. And he woke up. Uh, so he went into the hospital once as a young man to get his tonsils removed. And when he woke up, he had four little divots taken out of the top of his thigh and it almost looked like a minuscule ice cream scoop and they were right in a yes. row the four of them and ever yes. and when he was in his adult life now when he thought that he was being visited it was always around 1 1 30 in the morning he would hear like a clicking sound in the air there'd be like a couple clicks and then he would feel like he would be abducted that sounds completely believable and classic. And the little scooper, the tiny little scoop thing, yep. I've heard about that more times than I can count. That's the way they take wow. skin samples. Now, again, we might be talking here about a military ET combined thing. Right. It might be. Um, but uh, definitely he would fit 
the profile of someone that they would be interested in. Right. Uh, like John, I can also remote view as well. And Rachel can tell you that because because she's seen me in my astral form <laughs> once when I was doing it. Um, John and I had, uh, upon request from uh, a homeowner, uh, remote viewed their home because there was activity going on in their house and their little guy kept saying he was seeing something with big black eyes. And we discovered that there was a, uh, a portal in this little boy's room in front of his closet. Mm -hmm. And when we both went to this location, astrally, uh, Grace came out and uh, looked at us or observed us. And ever since then, uh, John had them visiting at his home and I had them show up at my place a couple times, but they're always in like an astral form. And I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, maybe because it was a little out there, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> and we've got Leslie, Leslie here who's uh, yeah. had a lot of experience with people like that. But just recently, and this is something I haven't, I don't know if even I've told you guys, is uh, a very uh, powerful psychic medium told me recently that she remote viewed me and she says that I have been abducted. And I think I told you that maybe in an email or a text. Yeah. And yeah. she said it's happened to me twice recently. Mm -hmm. And there were two nights where I woke up and I had a terrible shooting pain right at the bottom of my tailbone. And it's, mm -hmm. it's something I've never experienced before. And I was, you know, I thought, well, what the heck is this? Because it, it woke me up in the middle of the night and it's nothing I'd ever experienced before. So, but she said, she says, Dan, I can see you walking at the front door and going up into this beam of light and then, and then you're gone. Mm -hmm. So, and I trust this uh, lady explicitly. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised, Dan, you know, I mean, the estimates now, that, that we think that three quarters of the world's population have had encounter experiences. Wow. Holy cow. That, I mean, we have like, there were like 14 million valid reports right now at MUFON and elsewhere. There are 14 million people in New York City. I mean, that's, you know, there, there are substantial amounts of people who are experiencing things. And um, the fact that you are, you know, doing this kind of, your, your interest in doing this kind of program and obviously have, you know, psychic abilities, that would make you a prime candidate. So mm -hmm. uh, whenever you can... Whenever you feel that you can transport, you know, through the through the vortices <laughs> to Toronto, we can uh, we can explore that. We could even do it on Zoom, but uh, but these guys or this one person would have to be with you. Right. Well, and if you have me running around naked, clucking like a chicken, just, just know that it's because I want to please you. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's so true. Right. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, just my personality. I just want to please everybody. <laughs> I think since we started this uh, program, the Phantom Faction podcast, um, we've been, of course, we're continuously learning uh, of various different things. But uh, one thing that I think we all agreed with is that the paranormal, the uh, 
aliens, uh, Bigfoot, cryptic, all that kind of stuff seems to be related. Would you agree with that? I think everything is connected. I think everything is connected. In fact, you know, I was, um, last night there was quite a broadcast about the, about the Skinwalker Ranch, which is a, a rather uh, noted place mm -hmm. of yeah. all kinds of activity of strange, high strangers. They have it all going on out there yes. at the Skinwalker Ranch and have for, you know, probably eons. They've got tremendous amounts of UFO activity. Uh, so much so that it's speculated that there may even be some kind of base uh, underground and that some really solid citizens saw a section of a mountain just like dissolve and open up and allow a craft to enter. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, whether it's an alien base, whether it's an alien uh, uh, earth base, I don't know, but there's something going on. And they also have um, a lot of... Uh, what we would call spiritual activity. They have a uh, mm -hmm. little Skinwalker Ranch. They believe that there was a curse that the Navajo people put on the Utes, because that's Utah is where Skinwalker Ranch is. And uh, a Skinwalker, as I understand it, and you, pro you guys really deal with that subject matter more than I do, is a shapeshifter mm -hmm. and a terrifying shapeshifter. And mm -hmm. so they, there have been sightings upon sightings. And the, but the fascinating thing that they mentioned last night in this program was they talked about, and again, we have really solid people, family, like 11 family members, solid people witnessing all of these types of things. And apparently there was some type of a, it looked like random light, and it turned into a kind of a horizontal force field that then split into sort of two parts that were running concurrently, and they saw what looked like a, um, a, a cryptid, a, a, a Yeti or a, or a Bigfoot walking out of this beam as if it was coming out of some kind of interdimensional portal. So maybe there is an interdimensional porter, portal there at the Skinwalker Ranch, and I think that they exist all over the place, really. I think that there are portals everywhere, mm -hmm. and uh, they're being used all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, the idea that um, that um, you know unidentified cryptids are interdimensional travelers was was something that I had heard. But but this is a real thing that has been witnessed by 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 uh, very highly regarded human beings. Have you have you guys ever heard of uh, has has that ever come up in any of your programs about cryptids? That the possibility that that they might be interdimensional beings or beings that are somehow yeah. time traveling. Oh, we, we, talk, we, we talk about it all the time. Right. I think what even what you mentioned before, earlier, about the, uh, the higher vibrational uh, and that, you know, they can actually go through and walls and that. And we've talked about yeah. Bigfoot possibly being that way where he's visible, but uh, why can't you get a... Um, a good picture or right. anything of him yeah, yeah. and you get close enough and he's gone and you can't find any trace of them so he could be at a higher vibrational rate that he can make himself that we can't see them like our eyes just can't focus in on that well that's the whole I think that that physiological aspect of the speed of cellular motion that we can detect is the main thing that keeps us from most people from perceiving visually, you know, psychic activity. 
many of us, I think those of us that see things, maybe it's, yes, it's maybe psychic ability, but it may just also be a physiological aspect of how we see, that we're able to see more subtle movements or, or, or faster movement or faster vibrations. I don't know, I think that animals do. I think that cats and dogs are, all of them are able to see mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um, discarnate spirits. So they are just able to see, that's part of their spectrum. They may see in black and white, but they've got other stuff going on. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to take a, uh, a brief uh, break, and we'll come right back with you and discuss more. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Are you tired of stale grocery store coffee? Mm -hmm. Then you need to check out Rampage Coffee. It's roasted fresh to order and delivered to your doorstep anywhere in Canada and the United States. It's delicious, and they have a high-caffeine blend called C4 that will blast you out of your morning slippers. Oh, wow. Get free shipping in Canada on their sampler bundle to try all four of their fantastic blends using the code PHANTOM. Go to rampagecoffee.com today. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. All right, that was our coffee break, Dan. It was. <laughs> yes. Rampage coffee, of course. That's right. <laughs> what else? <laughs> exactly. We'll put you down for a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Mitchell-Clark is, is joining us, and uh, we've covered a lot so far. Oh, yeah. And there's so much more to cover. This is a good one. You are fascinating. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Oh, thank you, guys. It's just so nice to talk with like-minded people and, and uh, you know you're 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 obviously you're you're doing so much to you know raise consciousness really with this this programming this is what's doing it mm -hmm. you know disclosure is a grassroots movement mm -hmm. that's exactly. what it is it's not going to happen through the government through any government no I right. don't believe right I don't believe anything you know they're leaking out these little things and there's all the black you know rejected text all over the place <laughs> meanwhile you know uh, you know Corso's, uh, Philip Corso's incredible book, The Day After Roswell, completely um, uh, explains our relationship to the space program and, and, and what we've been doing and how we did it and our collaboration with certain grades. These are things that are out there already for us to, to understand. But, uh, you know, there's just so much, you know, there's like with anything else, there's a lot of greed and greedy people involved with you know, the kind of money that gets misdirected into, well, that gets directed in the secret space program. Leslie, is there one abductee that you uh, worked with that really stood out among the others and really had a profound impact on you and really made you think, you know, like what's going on out there in the universe? Well, you know, every, every single one has made an impact on me in, in, in that way, uh, sometimes in different ways. But I think the people that impressed me the most are, are the people who have been maybe damaged by their experiences. Either, uh, and, and who can say why somebody is damaged by something that someone else isn't? We don't really know. People have different abilities to cope, and of course, again, it depends on what type of experiences that you have had and some of them even back into the 60s and 70s and 80s were still very negative so I, I remember one woman who was 
so incredibly sweet, and she was, um, as by the way, as a high percentage of experiences are, she was uh, part Native Canadian, and and this woman had had come from been in an abusive home, and she had these experiences, and no one believed her. Her whole life had been one bad decision, one dysfunction after another, but but she did not give up. There was something in her that was so strong that she decided, first of all, she decided, I am not going to accept the uh, diagnosis that has been made of my mental health. I know that I'm okay. So she came to believe that. She also was able to remove um, her substance abuse issues. And as you know, you know, if you've had a dysfunctional home or if you're having experiences and you want to block them out, that's, you know, there's a lot of alcohol and stuff like that, you know. So she, she reclaimed her life and then in a brave move, you know, she came to see me for, for the truth of exactly what happened. And as it turned out, I think that some of the, or many of the extraterrestrial experiences that she had had, beginning as a small child, had in some ways become confused in her psyche with the very real, real physical abuse that she experienced at the hands of her stepfather. So we were able to, we were able to look at these things, we were able to look at these things with a, with a clear head and she was able to distinguish what happened to her at the hands of her family situation and what was really her gift, this ability to be special and communicate and have a purpose. And the last time that I spoke with her, um, she had uh, gone back to school and I believe she was, she was wanting to be a teacher, but she was also working in, in healing in the native uh, Canadian community. She was working with the shamanistic uh, uh, disciplines and learning and going to drum circles. So it was what I would call it was what I would call the triumph of the human spirit, really. And uh, we, you know, we are incredibly strong beings and uh, resilient beings. And I was just uh, honored to be able to sort of assist her in her in her transformation. So. If I'm not mistaken, a young person that may be abducted, right, and then through the years, I mean, they may have decided at one point to mention it to their parents, parents not believing in this or anything, and then shut down through the years. The child, or as they grow older and stuff, and being told so often that, no, that was a dream or no, it didn't happen. So they set up blocks in their mind. Oh, yes. I, yeah. I, think, that's, I think that that's absolutely normal that you know I mean how much of this is just someone's own suppression because they don't want to remember what happened and and how much is you know some type of memory block I think it's a combination of both personally with truth is power and so I I always believe that we have to look at the stuff that is disturbing us the most and you know, diffuse it diffuse it right and, and we can Right. Part of your job is um, to maybe remove that block. I can just imagine that that uh, the person would uh, feel just so much lighter. And you would feel that in the room, wouldn't you? 
Oh, yeah. I've had people practically float out of the office because the weight has been lifted. Mm -hmm. So they finally understand, and these are real memories. And I suppose, you know, someone could say, well, you know, are they, are they manufacturing these things? But, you know, normally, before I accept someone as a client for this type of thing, we've had quite a few talks. And I have to have a very good idea that this is what has happened. Right. Or, you know, I don't go ahead with it. Because yeah. obviously not everybody who comes to me who believes they've been kidnapped by aliens has actually been kidnapped by aliens. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I keep my discerning sort of mental health kind of temperament on and I have to listen to what they're really saying. So. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, and you know, I'm, I'm not, by law, I'm not allowed to work with anyone who's been diagnosed with a uh, mental health issue such as schizophrenia mm -hmm. or psychosis or, or bipolar disorder. So I have to use my own, and, and having been a mental health care professional, this is where it's very helpful for me, I think, because I'm usually able to discern even on the phone, if someone has a, a mental health history. And Leslie, do you think that you have uh, any clairvoyant abilities yourself? Do you see spirits? Oh, I think that I, I think that I do. Yes. Well, I'm Irish for one thing. You know, it sort of runs in the uh, in our uh, in our blood there. But even from uh, from the time I was a tiny child, I I always saw stuff. I saw. I would go to mass and I would see. You know what I what I now know are people's auras, but at the time I thought they were halos. I mean, look at the religious light uh, art. Look like look at what we're asked to believe. Right. You know that there that Jesus was. You know, and so I thought everybody saw that, and I have always seen uh, spirits and discarnate energies. And and uh, one thing that I love to do is um, uh, ghost investigations. And mostly for the purpose of releasing spirits who are trapped, you know, with a with a good mm -hmm. goal going in. But uh, that's something that I absolutely love to do. Wow. And um, jump in, jump into those opportunities any chance I can. So absolutely yes. And um, uh, there is a there is a story uh, in my in in the book uh, Intersections by the book from last summer that. Um, uh, it's just really an intro, but I talk about something that happened to me that is highly suspicious of a strange encounter. So hmm. if anybody reads that, that's, uh, that's a little something that happens to me. Well, so. we've been sitting here. <laughs> I've been watching an orb fly around you while we've been... Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yes. I've, I've seen it as well. It's above your left shoulder. No. Now, is it connected to, like, it, it, I'm sure you probably have an idea who's with you, but I'm feeling like it could be a male energy that's really closely connected. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's my brother. What I, what I didn't tell you guys is, like, two days ago, my, my brother's passed away, but two days ago, my mother had a massive stroke. No. And my brother has kind of been with me sort of non-stop. I've been feeling his energy around. And... But she's a tough old bird, man. She's hanging in there. Oh, and, fabulous. She's 86, but if, if it's not her time, it's not her time. But she, she still, she made it through the stroke, and uh, we'll see now what, what happens. That's a, the fighting Irish, right? Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> well, spirits, spirits like to be acknowledged as well. What's your brother's name? Brian. Brian. Alrighty. Well, we'll say hello to Brian. I'm sure. I'm sure he's there watching. It's over here. Yes. Yes. That's exactly where I keep seeing it. So. Because I think he has his hand on my shoulder now, maybe. Yeah. You saying you owe him twenty bucks? Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna collect. Uh, so tell us where you can uh, pick up your book or uh, anything else that you'd like to. Well, you can um, you can always uh, acquire our book on Amazon, either Amazon.ca or Amazon.com, and it's called Intersections: A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Hmm. And if you believe that you have had um, uh, something uh, of high strangeness happen to you, or you just want to talk to me, you can always reach me uh, through Facebook, uh, through Lightwork Hypnosis on Facebook or Leslie Mitchell Clark on Facebook. And uh, my office number is, I'll just give it to you guys, 416-486-6742. So uh, just give me a ring. I am always happy just to talk to people about whether or not it's probable that, that something unusual has happened. Wow. Well, I know you confirmed for me a long time ago uh, as a, a child and uh, at my grandmother's place, and she was telling me, and well, she told a lot of people, but uh, that uh, she saw an alien craft come down in her backyard, like basically a little distance away. Um, and she was, she's psychic as well. And and my dad was like, well, uh, what did you do? She goes, well, I shut the shades, right? <laughs> and her, her comment was, they're not here to hurt us. And you kind of confirmed that to me. Oh, yeah. And you yep. know, if, if that is something that I would really love to just, if I could end on a really loving, benevolent message, I think that there is a whole galaxy full of benevolent beings just waiting to accept us. If we can just get ourselves together, if we can just learn to love and care for each other and not bring our bad weapons of destruction into the rest of our solar system. So we have an opportunity now and we're all, we are all midwives of the new era. We are bringing in, we are birthing in disclosure and that's what we are all doing here. I believe, I believe we are all here for a purpose as well. All right, thank you. Leslie, that was fantastic and we will keep in touch. Because I can't wait to run around clucking like a chicken. Bye. Bye now. Thank you so much. Phantom Faction Podcast. A podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.